Okay, for our guests, we are looking at the uh, book of Genesis, and uh, we're starting on day four of the days of creation, uh, verse 14 of chapter one, day four. And I'm uh, going to have a little surprise for you, uh, because uh, day four is a strange day. And uh, uh, almost every commentary, and I'm blessed with about probably about 15 different commentaries on Genesis and I've also been blessed by translating them from the Hebrew text of this whole section and when I got to uh, uh, day 4 beginning at verse 14 I said something's, something's weird here this is a strange day in terms of the creation the creation days and uh, so I've been looking at it more carefully and then sometimes when you have a theory that you're not certain, certain about or you're not sure about you you want to take some time, keep looking at it, examine what other authorities may say, you know, read it over again, and so forth. And so that's what I did for several years. And lo and behold, I came up with, yes, indeed, what I'm seeing is strange and different. And uh, so I began to look at some other commentaries and see what they had to say. And uh, so my theory is on track. And uh, not all scholars hold the same approach to this day four. I'm going to share with you what I came up with, and you, again, you will find it's also different. Let's back up a notch and start with verse 9, day 3, and take a, take a run at it. Now remember, we're looking at the, cre the, the creation of life on earth. This has nothing to do with, with uh, the evolution of the, of the universe. I don't believe that, that we have evolution in the creation of the, of the universe. But uh, in, in terms of life, uh, it is unique, and I believe that these are literal... 24-hour days because the Bible makes it very clear uh, over and over again it would say then came evening then came morning second day then came evening then came morning third day and so forth and so I think that the Bible is telling us that these are indeed uh, the normal 24-hour days all right maybe it was 23 day hours maybe it was 26 hours but within the ballpark of an, of an average day as we would normally look at it just for fun, let's back up and start with verse 9, the third day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry appear. The Bible does not say land, it just says the dry. The dry appear. Now remember what's going on. We suddenly have the ignition of the sun and boom. What do you have when you have heat on water? You have massive evaporation. And so we've drawn a thing on the, on the board that would show that the sun is ignited. Everyone's got to admit that it was ignited at some point. And suddenly, much of the water is drawn off the surface of the earth, and it forms a, an ex, either you call it a, a canopy, you can call it a firmament, you can call it an expanse. It actually is a word that, that is a picture, is pictured taking a piece of metal and a hammer and hammering this piece of metal out until it becomes kind of a, of a plate. And so what happens when the sun hit the, uh, the earth, you probably hear almost a roar, all this water going into the atmosphere and creating a, a canopy effect. Now this is why you have longevity of life. Two things kill us. Remember, two things kill you. Okay, radiation from the sun and our, our pipes get clogged with, uh, with animal fat. And man was uh, a vegetarian. He was herbivorous. He was not carnivorous when he first began uh, was first created. He was a vegetarian, and therefore you have longevity of life, you have the radiation it, uh, blunted, and you have people living longer. 
six, seven hundred years and so forth. Also, the animal world. Uh, it, it's true that all, all reptiles keep growing if they're in a, 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 a good environment. Uh, they keep growing. So therefore you had the, 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 the lizards, the big dinosaurs that kept growing, got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, what will the flood be? The flood will be the tilt of the earth. The flood will be God tilting the earth, creating then a, a contrast of weather. Uh, for example, if when the sun, when the earth is on one side of the sun, uh, you've got the northern hemisphere warm, southern hemisphere cool. That's what creates weather. Contrast creates weather. Okay, you have no weather if you have no contrast. You must have hot and cold. And that's why I mentioned last week uh, a greenhouse effect. Uh, a greenhouse effect uh, uh, c c controls all the heat in an enclosed area. So from one end of the greenhouse to the other, you have this, the same moisture, the same heat effect. That creates a greenhouse effect. You open the door at one end of a greenhouse, now you've got contrast. Cool uh, air is going to blow into the greenhouse. We have warm air at one end. Now you're going to have you're going to have the water fall uh, inside of that greenhouse. And so the tilt of the earth is, I believe, what caused the flood, okay? The flood, the tilt of the earth. I meant to bring tonight, so you could glance at it, but the two books by Emanuel Vilovkovsky, who came to the same conclusion and was almost killed for it. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I remember a Reader Digest article in the 1960s where certain scientists put a hit on Emanuel Vilovkovsky because he destroyed evolution. And they said, this man's got to go. <laughs> uh, he, he looked at the earth, he looked at uh, this, the stories of the, the creation stories and the flood stories in all uh, civilizations, and he said, hey, uh, the, the, the flood story was real, it was true, it was a tilt of the earth. Uh, again, I mentioned last week, how do you take a boulder the size of this building and move it from the northern Canada down to Michigan? Water action. How do you take forests and cause them to tumble one on top of the other where you mash and push whole forests together and, and smash them together? Water action. How do you take uh, plants from northern uh, Europe and uh, sweep them in, in great sweeps of, of movement down to Africa? Water action. And Vilokovsky came to this position and he's dead right. Uh, and they don't like to look at the flood story because if the scientists look at the flood story, then that is going to kill evolution and they can't stand it. They put a hit on it. They're going to kill Vilokovsky. I'm serious. Reader Digest had a long article on this man uh, in the 1960s. But anyway, get off of that. Let's keep, keep reading here. Um, in verse uh, 10, God called the dry earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them on the earth, and it was so. Uh, last night, Lacey and I sat for one hour watching uh, a, um, a documentary uh, entitled, what was the title, Lacey? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, thank you. Metamorphosis about the monarch butterfly. And the documentary was pr produced by six PhDs. And uh, we couldn't talk. Lacey had to sit there like this. And I tried to make notes as fast as I could to share some with you tonight. 
about the vegetation, and then later on we're going to talk about the creation of the of the the little bitty insects, the small the small creatures like the butterfly. But I've got to share some. Uh, I was writing as fast as I could. You need to see the documentary of uh, metamorphosis. By the way, that's a that's a Bible word. That's a Greek word, metamorphosis. It's used in scripture. Uh, okay, the monarch, monarch butterfly only lives two weeks in the spring and can live up to uh, 13 weeks in the fall. Um, there are, I can't read my own notes. <laughs> it multiplies from the beginning from a seed from the, the, the beginning of the, the little butterflies a seed, 3,000 times its size in just a few weeks. It explodes when the little butterfly begins to, uh, begins to, to multiply. It tastes, it tastes with its feet. It tastes with its tongue, its proboscis. It tastes with um, uh, it, part, part of its wings. It can taste uh, food. It can smell. Uh, by the way, it can, it, can, it, can, it can plant a seed, the next generation of butterfly, on only one kind of plant. Only one kind of plant. Well, except the, 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 plant, the planting of the, the seed of the butterfly for it to, uh, to become a full-blown full butterfly. It can smell the right leaf the right leaf to plant a seed up to three to four miles away. It can smell that leaf. Um, there are 20,000 species of butterflies. 20,000 species of butterfly. Uh, it stops eating and it'll hang upside down. And it'll plant a seed on this one, one leaf, hangs upside down for a day, and then it explodes. It goes from a it goes from a caterpillar to a chrysalis to the butterfly. And all the PhDs in this documentary said evolution is absolutely impossible because what happens is, let's say this is the caterpillar, and let's say it's hanging on a leaf as it begins to multiply. The caterpillar. That caterpillar metamorphosizes, where inside it turns to jelly. There's nothing to transmit to the next stage called the chrysalis from the caterpillar stage to the chrysalis stage. There is nothing inside to transmit. It becomes literally jelly inside. So how can it go from a, how does it go from a, um, a, a caterpillar to a chrysalis then to the butterfly if all of its internal organs disappear? All of its internal organs turn to grape jelly, if you will, and just disappear. The scientists say it is the most incredible phenomenon in all of biology. In all of biology. Um, it can fly, in the, in the fall, it will go 50 miles a day. It can fly 50 miles a day. And by the way, it stops off in, in, in Clifton on its way to Mexico. And only a hundred years ago did they find the forest in Mexico where the butterflies go for the winter. Only 100 years ago, but nobody knew where they went. 
100 years ago, they found the forest in Mexico where all these butterflies go from North, North America to Canada down into, into Mexico. It's compound eyes, eyes, there is nothing like them in all of biology, nothing. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, da, 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 da. I wrote so fast, excuse me. Um, it's proboscis, which we'd say is a tongue, is like a straw and it rolls up. If you've seen a butterfly up close, the proboscis rolls up. Inside its head, it has a suction pump that pulls the nectar. It'll take, that, it'll take the tongue and unroll it. And it's hollow inside like a straw. Has a has a pump in its, in its head that pumps the nectar up through this proboscis. And that's how it gets, gets the nectar. Remember, it can only land and it can only lay an egg on one kind of plant. No other plant in the world. Just one. Uh, they can't, they don't figure, figure that out. They can't, can't understand that. Um, da, 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 da. The eyes uh, use ultraviolet to see things. They can detect, the female butterfly can detect a mate a mile away. A mile away. We only know one thousandth, one thousandth of anything that has the better technologies. Are one th we only know one thousand of the technology, one thousand of the technology of butterflies, and all these these six PhDs is the wonder of the world. By the way, you can also land on a milkweed plant that kills other species of, of bugs, but it does not kill the monarch butterfly. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, again, I mentioned in the spring it only lasts; it lives two months. In the fall. It can live nine months. Um, its sensory organs help it navigate. And by the way, in Mexico, at the, the one forest where the monarch butterflies go, there are millions and millions of those butterflies that occupy that forest, if not billions of the, of the, of the same butterfly species. They cannot figure out its uh, understanding of flight. It goes from northern Canada to Mexico they have no idea how it navigates to, uh, to make that, that flight. They don't see anything inside the butterfly that would give them any indication. Uh, inside the wings, well, well, this is a hint, excuse me, I need to, to put out one hint that they have how it nav navigates. Inside the wings of the butterfly are tiny microscopic little pieces of metal. And apparently, uh, as it flies over certain forests going south of Mexico, there's a magnetic detection between the, the wings of the butterfly that have little particles of metal and the, the metal that's in the ground uh, where they're flying over, uh, heading for Mexico. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Their temperature is just right to keep them warm and where they don't freeze. They travel, their, their travel north coincides with the production of milkweed in Texas. They could not fly north uh, except at a certain time because of passing over the milkweed that they land on uh, as they, in, here in Texas as they're going north up toward Canada. Um, they travel the same mountain ranges that their grandparents followed. Uh, natural selection, which would be evolution, uh, 
would, does not work with a butterfly. There's no way that you can figure natural selection with a butterfly. Um, here's the way the butterfly works. If you, if you had a garage, just say that you had a garage, and you took a Model T, this, I'm quoting this to scientists, put a Model T in that garage, close the door, open the garage, X number of months later, and here's a Cadillac inside. That's how the, the butterfly changes and metamorphosizes from a, from a caterpillar to a chrysalis to finally to a flying butterfly. They don't know what happens when you open the garage and suddenly you've got a different species that comes out of that, of that garage. Uh, they, can't, they can't figure it out. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I guess that, that's about it. Poor notes because I was writing while I was listening at the same time. The Monarch Butterfly, if you want to borrow that uh, documentary, we'll loan it to you. Uh, it's, we just couldn't, couldn't believe it. Uh, and we're going to come in a moment to the creation of the, of the little creatures uh, as we get over to uh, past day uh, four into day five. All right, let's keep reading. Let's look at the verse uh, 11. Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruits bearing trees. Verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind. Notice the after their kind, after their kind, after their kind. And trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Then came evening, then came morning, a third day. Now we're to day four. This is the strange one. Day four is a purpose day. It is not a typical creation day. Now if that throws you, it did me as well. It is a purpose day. And there's some little keys in the verses starting at verse 14. Then God said... Let there be light in the expanse of the heavens. Wait a minute, we've already had the creation of the, of the sun and the moon. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, the calendar, and for days and years. This is a purpose statement. A purpose statement. Let the lights be for. Wait a minute, they've already been created. But let them be for something. We want them to be for a distinct purpose. What is the purpose? For signs, for seasons, and let them be for lights, signs, seasons, lights in the expanse, in the hammering out of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greatest light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, and oh, by the way, the stars also. If you notice your Bible, he made is in italics. It's not in the Hebrew text. It just says, the stars also. <laughs> the stars also. Remember, this is a statement from man's perspective. From man's perspective. We've already had the sun and the moon already created. Uh, if you go back to verses 4 and 5. This is now stating what their purpose is, and then it just, just tacks on, oh, by the way, the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Then came evening. Then came morning, a fourth day. 
Now I want to read to you what uh, what uh, one of the great scholars that I've got, Steiger, says about uh, about this uh, fourth day. And listen to some of the little hints that Steiger gives to us on day four. He says, The fourth day provided the celestial structures essential to knowledge of chronology on the earth and the proper succession of the seasons of the agricultural year. They also mark off the periods of light and darkness, providing periods of work and rest for man. Thus God is seen to have organized into an understandable system the sun and other astral bodies. One now knows that the moon is not a light emitting, but a light reflecting body, as is also the earth. Hence, the moon is designated the smaller light because of this fact and because its light is less. God also established their motions in the heavens for the purpose, the purposes of chronology by which man should be enabled to measure time. The verb to set in, 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 in the firmament, to set, means to set and simply states the fact of their being positioned in the heavens and appointed to function as measurements of time. Their function was established by God and is not a result of evolution. Insomuch as the stars, the moon and the sun, were created before, back in verses 4 and 5, before this with the heaven, verse 1 and so forth, this day, day 4, this day, day 4, portrays progress in their visibility. To set should be interpreted as signifying the act of institution by which they became seasonal signs. They were already there, but now... The statement is made there for seasonal signs, and the text can be translated, quote, so after God had made, after God had made, back in the first verses, after God had made, he then set them, blah, 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 and so forth and so on. This day is unusual. This day is unique. It is not a normal creation day. It is not normal. It is a strange day. And I had one other sheet to read to you. And I don't seem to be able to find it. I'll have to find it at the break. So it's very possible this is not a creation day, but a, 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 a day of purpose. Let's, let's look at the markers again. Uh, let, let there be light. Let them be for signs, for seasons. Let them be for lights in the expanse. Uh, coming on down, verse 16, to govern the night. Verse 17, God placed them in the expanse to give light on the earth. Verse 18, to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And so there are indicators that this is not a normal creation day. And this is thrown uh, Bible uh, teachers. Well, wait a minute. Is this the creation of the sun and the moon? Well, wait a minute. You go back to, to uh, the first few verses, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, here's where it seems like you have the creation of the sun and the moon. You do. So this is a purpose day. This is a statement of purpose. It's not a creation day in the normal sense that we normally think of as we, uh, as we read through these passages. I had another piece of paper to read to you, and I can't find it. Well, I'll just have to skip it for now.
Let's move on. If you have a question on this, I'll try to deal with it. But I take it that it's not a normal creation day. Uh, it really ticks me because I had another sheet to read and can't find it. Verse 20, day, fi day 5. Then God said, let the waters swarm with swarms. The Hebrew text says swarm with swarms. By the way, 90% of all living species is in the ocean. 90% of the species of earth are in the ocean. Okay, Only 10% are on the land. Swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the, let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed with their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. How many last night saw... I watched a little football, but how many saw the uh, the documentary on the uh, uh, on the uh, uh, great white great white shark? May see the documentary. Incredible. They uh, took apart a great white shark. They uh, analyzed it, cut it apart on this documentary, and you would not believe it. The eyeball of the of the, of the great white shark is that big. And inside is the little lens, the little lens that uh, whereby that the shark could see. Uh, the the liver of the great white shark. Lacey, remember about the liver? Yes, yeah, they're, they're huge, and there's two of them. The liver's about the size of a man. Yes, and um, it has a buoyancy inside the liver because most all other livers you put it in water and it goes to the bottom. It sinks, but not the great white shark. The shark's liver. Floats, and so it has some. It has a lot of oil or something that's so unusual, but it helps with the. Movement. Helps buoy the the great white shark. He wants, he wants, he wants no other no other animal has that, but the great white shark, absolutely incredible. Yes. What channel are you watching? <laughs> Just below World War One channel. <laughs> but we're below the war channel, right? <laughs> I, I don't know, Dot. I don't. I'm not sure, but. Uh, we always, that's what we do is we always try to watch, watch good documentaries and uh, they, because they really are biblically educational. This was so biblical, so biblical as to uh, analyzing the great white shark, uh, how unusual it was. And, and the scientists were just, as they were cutting it apart, they were just fascinated. Uh, just an incredible animal. All right, uh, keep, keep reading. Uh, they Now let the little things swarm, the little, little bitty things team swarm with swarms the water swarm with waters a swarm with swarms and then the the, the creation of the the flying things the, the birds by the way you know the birds have their 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 wings and their bones are hollow to cut down on weight now how can you tell you know if you're an evolutionist you know all right bird you're going to have hollow wings and hollow bones uh everything else is going to have uh meat inside of the bones but not not the birds not the birds. And by the way, the owl is most unusual. Uh, the owl has a certain kind of wing that when it dives to catch the little mouse, you cannot hear it coming. Its wings are constructed differently than any other bird, and you cannot hear the owl. If he's sweeping out of a tree, he makes no sound whatsoever. All the birds, you can hear the flapping of the wings, but not the owl as he dives on the, on the, on the mouse. All right, verse 24, the sixth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures 
after their kind. The domesticated cattle means that which can be tamed. The domesticated, the cattle, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. After their kind, after their kind. The cattle are all those things that can be domesticated, okay, that you can control. That's really the idea behind the word cattle. The animals that can be controlled by man. Verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, the cattle after their kind, the creepers on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Uh, now remember, you have interaction between species and vegetation. Interaction. If, you, if, if, there, if these days were thousands and thousands and millions of years, nothing would live. You've got to have interaction between animals and vegetation uh, within a short distance, a short time, time frame, and that's what you've got. 24-hour days, 24-hour days, 24-hour days. Then God said, uh-oh, let us make man in our image. Now we've got a plural pronoun. Let us. And boy, you ought to see what the, how the rabbis uh, in their commentaries dance with this. Because this points like a big arrow to the Trinity. It doesn't say Trinity, but it points to a big arrow as to persons in the Godhead. Let us, a plural pronoun. Let us make man in our image. Uh, go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1, 15. Is it a little cool in here? It's just me. Is it cool? No? Everybody's okay? It is a little cool? Okay. You want to turn it up, Lacey? Okay. All right. Colossians 1.15. We'll go to Colossians 1.15. Remember that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is also involved in the creation. The creation story. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. 115. <clears throat> he, Christ, is the image, the reflection of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. The word first here is literally the idea of first in rank. He is the prime one in rank over all creation. Now this is talking about Christ in His incarnation, okay? His incarnation. Uh, because He came into earth and He took upon Himself humanity, alright? His, his, his creation. For by Him, by Christ, and He's the icon of God, the invisible God, where an image is the Greek word icon, icon. Verse 16, For by Him, by Christ, all things were created. Wow. Both in the heavens and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions our rulers, our authorities, all things 
have been created by Christ, by Him, and for Him. By Him and for Him. Remember, He is the God-man. He is very God. He is very man. He is the God-man. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. He sustains every one of us tonight. He keeps us going. He keeps us alive. He sustains us. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the prime one from the dead, so that He Himself might come to have first place in everything. In everything. And it was from the, from the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of deity to dwell in Him. It doesn't say deity, but all scholars believe this is talking about the deity. It is God's, the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of His very deity as God. The fullness to dwell in Christ. In Him. He is very God. He is very man. And He's our Savior. And He's the Creator of all things. He's not simply just another man, the good teacher, and so forth. Yeah, Ronnie? Job 34, 14, If it were His intention and He withdrew His spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. That's right. If God did not sustain us, and that would be Christ also, of course, uh, we would just go boom. We would just die. All, all creation would just end. He sustains, He holds, He keeps everything going. And so the Lord Jesus and God the Father, of course, is the one who keeps all things going. If He stopped His creative energy and His creative work, as that passage says in Job, everything would just end. It'd just stop. Alright, look at, uh, uh, come on down to verse 26 again in, in Genesis chapter 1. 126, God said, let us, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The plural pronoun again. Our image, our likeness. Uh, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the domesticated, the cattle, and over all the earth, over the creepers that creep on the earth. And God created man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 4, the Lord Jesus said this. 19.4 He told the Pharisees, Have you not read... Have you not read? By the way, notice that. Have you not read? What are we doing tonight? We're reading the authority of Scripture. Have you not read? This is our authority. This is our guidebook. Uh, the Scriptures. Have you not read from the Scriptures? Uh, have you not read that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Male and female. We are created unique. There's not evolution. We are created unique. He made us male and female. Adam and Eve, male and female. 
Uh, and then there's a plan. Look at verse 5. The plan is, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay? One flesh. He created them male and female. Uh, that is as plain as you could, you could get it. And that's, that's Christ's commentary on Genesis. This is His commentary. The Lord Jesus' commentary on this, the passages that we have in Genesis. Um, we have to see what he, he says about the passages. He puts His stamp of approval on these passages. Now what is image and likeness? We don't fully know the difference between image and likeness. Likeness. We can't fully tell you what, what, what the distinction is between those two words. We can, we can guess and we can uh, uh, try to talk about it, but uh, we really fully don't know. How are we, how are we in an image and likeness of God? I have three words that might help us, okay? This is some way to try to help us, and you might want to write this down. Intellect, sensibility, and will. How am I like God? Certainly physical is not it. I'm, no, I'm not like God physically. God does not have a physical body as we know. But how are we like God? In intellect, man has the highest intellect of all of the animal world. My little kitty cat has intellect. <laughs> she can remember certain things. Uh, she can remember uh, certain foods that we give her. And uh, uh, she, she knows on the floor when it's... Uh, when the sun is hitting the floor, to go over there and lay down at the, right there at that spot where the sun is because it would be warmer. So she has a certain intellect, but nothing like the intellect of man. Uh, the great white shark does certain things by, uh, uh, by uh, just by accident almost. But that's not the intellect that, the human, that, 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 that humanity has. Intellect, sensibility, our emotions. Uh, our kitty cat has emotions. She can be lonely when we're gone. She can cry when we come home. That's a certain sensibility, a certain feeling she has. Nothing like the sensibility, the feeling, and the emotions of a human being. Doesn't even come close. And our sensibility is similar to God's sensibility. Now look, remember, we're not like God. So uh, his, sensibility, his sensibility is almost infinite. But we have a sensibility like that. His intelligence is infinite. And we have a certain intelligence like that, but not coming near close to what God has. Will. We can determine things. I always like to look at a room like this. In this room, we have probably, not millions, but billions of hours of human creativity in this room. Now think about it. The creation of plastic, the mining of copper for the copper wires to run electricity, to have a, a power plant 30 miles away that can send electricity here into this uh, lamp to, to give light. Uh, the creation of the light bulb, the, to, to put the gas in the light bulbs. Uh, the things that are made out of petroleum in this room, ink, the, the, the mining or the, uh, the harvesting of, of paper or wood to, for paper. All the Bibles that we have. The creation of ink. Look at all the books that have ink in this room on them. The creation of the printing press. 
uh, it goes on and on and on. How to make this table smooth where it can't be cut and it can be solid. Uh, how to create the little teeny tiny whiny little itsy bitsy ball at the end of a, of, a, of a pen like this whereby the ink comes out just right so that I can, I can write with this pen. It goes on and on and on just in this room. The creation of a rug whereby the, the, the fibers in the rug don't come apart as we walk in the room. Who, who manufactured a rug whereby uh, the fibers would stay together and you would create a rug the size that we have in this room? The creation of metal, the creation of the plastic for these tables, the, uh, the creation of, of these cans that can go through a, a process of, of, uh, of turning out a, a can or, or 500 cans a minute and put the juice in this can. The technology that, was, that it took to create that. On and on and on and on and on and on in this room. That, has the, that comes from the will of a human being and the intellect of a human being that at least aims towards the intellect and the will of God. But again, his intellect is infinite. Ours is still limited. His will is infinite. Our will is still limited. But in that sense, we are kind of like God, but certainly we are not God-like. As you can follow what I'm saying on that. We're not God. We're not God-like. But the three words help us understand something about ourselves that would say we are like God in these ways. Intellect, sensibilities, sense, emotions, feelings, and will. And again, you go to the animal world, uh, we are far superior than the animal world, but we, we don't come close to what God is like in, in intellect, sensibility, and will. Notice in verse 27, God created male and female. He created them. All right. This is the creation story. And we only have 27 verses. 27 verses given over to the creation story. Then we're going to shift, shift gears because something will happen in verse 28. And let's just read these few, few verses and we'll take a break. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed. Notice that man is herbivorous, not carnivorous. We were to eat plant food, not animals. Uh, plant yielding seed that's in all, that's, that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed it, it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky to everything that moves on the earth which has life I have given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw that all it had made and behold it was very good it was very good. By the way, if you're taking notes, it literally says it was good in itself. The Hebrew text says it was good in itself. And there was evening and then came morning. Or then came evening and then morning. The sixth day. Let's read the next two, several verses and we'll take a break. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and their hosts. 
And all the seventh, and all, and by the seventh day, God completed His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Now God isn't tired, okay? He's not getting tired. Rested means that He stopped the creation processes, the creation processes that will now be embedded in the animal and the vegetational world. Okay, the processes of original creation will now cease, and God stopped that process. Then God blessed the seventh day and he saw it as holy. He sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and which he had made. He sanctified it. He saw that it was good. There was no sin in the universe that is in the sense of, of affecting the universe. I believe that Satan had already fallen. Satan had already departed from God. He had already uh, uh, moved away from his fellowship with God. But in terms of the universe at this point, in terms of the matter of the universe and the earth, all was well. It was set aside. It was holy. God saw that it was holy. The word sanctified means it was holy. God created that which was now going to work and function properly, and it is holy. It is good. It's not going to fail yet until sin enters into the realm of humanity and into the realm of the universe. It has not fa fallen or failed as yet. We're going to come up to the story of the failure of humanity with the fall of Adam and Eve in the, in the verses that will follow. Let's take a, let's take a quick break, okay?